You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. I want to talk a little bit about our trip to Cuba. You know, Pastor Joel sent me a video. It was, the internet was horrible, so I got like half of it. Then at 5 this morning, yeah, I was at 5 this morning talking to Yoel. We tried to get the other half, so I'll have it ready for next week. I, I really tried hard. And it was just really a, a, a thank you and also, you know, let you know his perspective on what we did, you know, what you did. If you gave a penny to that trip, trust me, it was very, very, I believe, very successful trip. A lot got accomplished. I still have to fill H in on a lot of the stuff because he came home earlier. And we had a meeting after that. So, you know, it was great. And another couple that we took, you know, and, and they've had a heart for Cuba from the beginning. I mean, I'm talking, you know, since we almost plugged into Cuba and they've been around it. And then a few years ago, I know the Lord spoke to them. And they've been a tremendous blessing to, you know, to the work there and what they do. So they were able to go on our trip. And I asked them actually to come up this morning and, and address you a little bit. And also, especially our online audience. You know, I want to, your online audience, you're not there just you know, doing whatever you're doing, cooking, making breakfast or whatever. And by the way, I, I, I did check the algorithm sometimes. I'm like weird like that and geeky. You guys need to watch more than three minutes, all right? Just saying. Because um, there's a lot of, that we talk about. <laughs> it's like average time watch, three minutes. I said, boy, they should have got a lot out of that message, I'm sure. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, we, we thank you guys that are on here because, you know, the online church can be a big part of our work in Cuba. And here's a disclaimer, you know, I've got to say this, and I'll say it completely publicly, and I'll say it openly, so if the U.S. government wants to plug in, it's fine. We are not doing anything, because I was asked, can you talk about Cuba? I said, we're not doing anything illegal. We're not sending any money to Cuba. Say amen. We have no, there is no paper trail that says that we've sent a penny to Cuba. Um, nonetheless, we've done a couple of things, right? We go through Mexico, we can send money through Mexico, and it's completely legal. I'm saying that because this is the question, you know, you've you got to understand, the law says you cannot spend American dollars in Cuba. So we've got to make them something else before we can spend them, right? Euros, pesos, or whatever you want, right? So it's all good, but I want you to understand, our work there is very important, it's very significant. You'd be surprised, you know, what you think God can do with a, what we'd say a little church. So I'm not going to take any more time. Saeed and Damian, y'all come up here because they were on our trip, and I brought them back. You see, we didn't lose anyone. No man left behind, so. You're a couple, right? Come on, sir. See, you were there too. Give them a hand clap so you can really embarrass them. Come on, go ahead. Just really lay it, lay it thick. <laughs> go for it, guys. Hi, good morning. So where can I start? Um, it was a privilege to, and an, an honor to actually um, go with Pastor and with HH. Um, it, um, I was telling them yeah, when we were, when we came back that it did, it does change the way you think, the way you live, you actually, we actually made some changes in our lives because of the whole um, experience that we experienced in, in Cuba. Um, so when you, when we, we're very blessed to live in, in this country that we take it as if it's normal for other people, for other countries to, 
to live the same. But in reality, once you go, since we got to the airport, you can totally see um, the difference of um, lack of uh, of food. Um, if you wanted to buy water, there was nothing. Um, lack of of um, items to buy. I was expecting to buy stuff for my kids. Uh, it's 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 just you can see the difference and we were very blessed that that um pastor yoel has been in communication with us and it was really hard for us to attend um but we were able to make it to cuba and i we don't regret it one bit and i do recommend for all of you at least once in your lifetime give your time if you know if god puts it in your heart to attend because it's an experience that it's easy. It's not the same as me telling you, because even if I tell you and, and I describe it how it is, you're still not gonna you're still not gonna feel the same until you actually live it and see it. And then when we were there, it's we were on the we were on the sidelines. We didn't get affected with anything that those people live in every day. We were able to see it, but and just for far away. Um, but, uh, you want to say something? Well, anyway, so, so, um, God called us, right? And he put it in our hearts. And so we've been since the beginning, um, we finally were able to make it to Cuba. We've been planning for this until this year that it started. Uh, it, it was very hard whenever we get there because, pastor told me just be very sensitive to the holy spirit and yes you you are you have to be very sensitive to the holy spirit um you you automatically see the difference uh and we we saw two different sides of cuba we saw the real side and then the tourist side so the tourist side is very nice and clean and and you get to eat all you know the buffet and everything and then the real side that's when you are overwhelmed with with how these people i don't know how these people can make it i don't know how these people can live like that but it's just um i'm very grateful that i i have the opportunity to choose and the freedom and that's what something that those people don't have they wanna they wanna live and make a good um better themselves and they can they have their hands tied So we need to be very grateful what everything, the little things that we have, because these people would do anything to have what we have. Um, well, anyways, I'm going to start, I guess. Uh, I, I thought at first it was going to be like super bad, like meaning in a way where people don't have any food to eat or anything like Africa type, right? Skinny people or something. But it's just you don't see that. You see regular people just like us. But they don't have the privileges that we have. They don't have the freedom that we have, that we take for granted. Um, that's really what, uh, what I guess saw that it was, like, really bad for the people in there, that you don't get to choose. Like, here, we get to choose to do whatever we want to do. Over there, no, you're tied up, you know, to whatever they or they want you to do. So basically for me, it was more than anything was that, like, I'm that type of person that I want to go somewhere to the store and go buy something just to snack on. You can't. It's like a torture. 
I mean, just the little basic little things that you can do over here that you cannot do over there. You come over here and you see those things and and you see how how blessed this country is, how the people here in this country really are blessed. Just those little things that that we we don't see them big, but they're really big when we're outside of this country, like in places like those. I mean, we've been in different countries uh, and never experienced anything like 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 over there, like right across us. It's like it's insane how how the devil, I guess, works, and yeah, you see evil everywhere. I mean. It's just so depressing. The people are so depressed. You can tell in their eyes just by looking at people. They don't have any life in in their souls. So for us to be called uh, to go to Cuba and bless the people from Cuba, I think that's an honor for us because God put us there. Um, If you're part of this church, it means that you're part of that. Um, God called this church for a reason. Why called us to Cuba, we don't know. We might never know until we get to heaven. Um, but if you're part of this church, it means that you need to be part of the vision of this church, the body of Christ, what he called us to do, which is blessed over there. For whatever reason, he's not calling us to, I don't know, China or some other places. But he's calling us there for a reason. So we need to be obedient to to God. And uh, so... I just encourage everybody here that if uh, you're think to to put to plant that seed there, you know, because that I think that's what call, God called us to do. So I guess that's that's all for me. Um, I want to share a story that happened. So we were heading from ha- from um, no from Havana. They picked us up and we were driving for how how far was it, Pastor? Okay, well, so we decided, they decided to stop at the gasoline station. And you know how whenever they say that the gas is going to, it's, um, we're going to run out of gas and you see the big lines, you know, in, in stripes or anywhere. Well, that's, that's an everyday thing over there. Okay, you'll see the lines of cars. You will see even people pushing their cars because there's no, they don't have um, fuel anymore. So they have to push it in order to get to the gas station. So we decided, Damian, he likes to munch a lot. So he thought that, you know, like in the U.S., that you can just go to the store and just buy whatever he wanted. So we go to the store. He was thirsty, and we go. He said, I'm going to get something to drink. We go in, and there was nothing. The only thing that was there was one, thank God, was one grapefruit juice. I guess they don't drink grapefruit because nobody likes it. But as Mexicans do, so that was the only one there at in the whole store. The whole, and then you can see the evil, the abundance of evil, the liquor in abundance. The liquor, the tobacco, all the bad stuff was in abundance except for the stuff that people really, really need. And, I mean, I really don't know if people even drink um, the way we drink here because... These people have priorities. They want food instead of that junk, you know. So it, you see it right away. We were like, wow. And then there was a, a small restaurant next um, next to the gasoline station. 
And there was a lady, but there was nothing. Like, she didn't have anything. I mean, she was working, but she wasn't selling anything because there was nothing to sell. So you can see, when you get there, you can just feel that the evil is it's over that country. And we need to help our brothers and sisters in Christ to break that chain, to break that um, those barriers. Because it's the people are suffering. The people are calling God. It, um, the best experience ever, then it was an honor that the church, um, you know, I know here we, we, and me included, we are worried about, oh, what, what would people think if we, if we dance while worshiping God? We don't see people dancing at our churches here in the, in the U.S. Over there, the people are so in love with God that they don't care what other people think. They start dancing and they're having so much fun. And, and you can feel the love of the people giving to God because that's the only hope they have. They don't have anything else, anything else, just God. And they know that if they stay, the people that stay with them and the people are in our church over there, you can see that the blessing is over them compared to the people outside the church. You can see the difference. Um, and... And I know that that maybe, you know, like I cannot say that I experienced what they experienced because I haven't. But, I mean, I know that God is great and God is going gonna, is gonna to bless them and is, and is going to give them. And, and I think that's why our church is there to, to grow and to help these people come out of those chains. And I really do think that it's very beneficial for, for at least to give one one trip to Cuba it's it's, it's you, it it will change your mind the way you will see and we, way you worship God that you're like wow these people that's all they depend on God that's it they don't have anything else nothing else um, it was amazing the people were amazing uh, you can feel the Holy Spirit very rich you can even slide it because that's how rich it was. Um, it was amazing to see that even in, in, in the darkness, there was light in the church. You can see the people congregating, talking, and then, and then um, actually are the church giving people food. That was amazing. Uh, um, and it, I think that's what they also look forward, that they know they have a safe place for them, that they have um, a communion, they, they have um, family and I feel because they were very genuine and and like they stayed there for hours. They went to all our services. It was not like here that eh, I'm going to see it online or I mean, there's no such thing as online over there. But um, they were there and they stayed to the end. And so it was in a very amazing and it just opens your eyes how we take it for granted and we. You know, we throw our money sometimes away on stuff that we don't need. And there was not even toilet paper when I would go to the restroom. I had to take, thank God, Damian was like, just FYI, take some white piece and toilet paper in case you need them. I'm like, nah, I don't think that's that bad. Well, yes, um, there was, I don't know how the people were doing it because I would see people going and coming back to the restroom. There was no toilet paper, so I have no idea. Um and then we went to the other side, and the other side was more like a fake side, more like, okay, everything is normal. Um, so we were, we were there, and a lady was like, where are you guys from? And I, we told them that we were from the U.S., and they were like, what? 
you're not supposed to be here. But anyways, um, it was more, it it was a lot of people from Canada, UK, um, all those people that don't even know what, like, that the neighbors probably, you know what I mean, um, going through, through hunger or anything like that. So it's a very good experience. We have a lot of, um, the ranch, the, 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 the ranch over there is amazing. It's growing. And I really do think that we should all put, um, a granite of sand to Cuba because we have seen that God is moving and it's going to move and it's going to get bigger and there's going to be more churches and there's going to be more people coming and the people are alive. And so we need to help these people. So we God, his presence can be stronger than that evil that is there. Uh, One more thing. There's no stripes or Walmarts anywhere. There's nothing. Like, there's not one store where you can stop and, oh, I want to buy this. Zero. All you see is buildings and that's it. There's no signs. Welcome here. Come in. Buy this. Buy that. No, not like over here. And I, that, for me, it was, like, really bad. Because I'm used to stop, stopping everywhere. But that was really bad. Marco knows that. He wants to stop like in every gas station just to get munchies. You can't do that over there. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's it. I, I, I appreciate um, everything, and I do um, recommend for you guys to try it at least once because even if I tell you, it's not the same as you experience it. And so um, they're counting on us, and I hope you guys join us on on the vision that Pastor has for for Cuba. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Well, you heard it. I mean, you guys are invited. You know, you. You know, don't just get excited. Oh, I want to go to Cuba. Yeah, you pray about that because you're not going on a vacation. I mean, we'll try to make it as comfortable as possible, but you're not going on a vacation. And hopefully you're going to serve, right, in some capacity. And, you know, and they went, you know, they didn't really go, but they saw the opportunities. They had many opportunities where they ministered to people, served people, prayed for people. I mean, it's just, and, you know, we talked about it, right? You don't just go there and, okay, let's go to church, hear a message. I mean, ministry, when you land on the island, ministry starts. You know, you're, 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 you're having conversations with waiters and waitresses that, and everyone there is just so hungry for somebody to reach out to them. So I thank God for what God has called us to do there. And, you know, the vision is huge. I want to give you guys some of the real quick details. I know this is not a Cuba meeting, but if you're part of Faithway, you're part of that. You know, that's just the way it is. And, and because you're investing your time, you're investing your money in this ministry, and you have, you know, and one thing they maybe later I'll give them an opportunity to share, you know, or maybe H can come and share next week, is really I'd like to, you know, because I, you hear it from me all the time. But for them to go and, see, and actually see what we've been doing there for 10 years, because they haven't been there for 10 years, right? And, you know, to see what I walked into, not even 10 years, because with Yoed, it's been 2014. I've been there since 2012. But, and to see the influence and the impact that, that Faithway has had just, just on that level is amazing. You know, they mentioned the farm and the buildings, and we've already got a church going on. And, and it's just not us. You know, we're partnering up with Faith Exchange, and other people are picking up the vision, you know, um, Joe McCroskey and Jerry Savell and other people are, you know, reaching out. And and right now we have a plan. I mean, I'm going to give you some numbers and then I'm going to back you up on it. You're going to see it's not that big. So right now, you know, part of the plans and visions that we have between Faith Exchange and us is eventually get to the point where we're putting about $100,000 
into Cuba on an annual basis. That's the goal to be reached. And we're not, you know, if you look at it, we're, you know, like this trip and what Faith Exchange does and what Faithway does and, and the money that we, we've invested and so forth, you know, just this year we're already hovering, just this church by itself is already hovering probably over 20, 25 grand that's been invested in, in some form or fashion. You know, I'm including everything, you know, to get down there, everything. And I can speak the same for Faith Exchange. So, you know, even more so, they're, you know, they're in a, in a better place. They're, of course, they're in Manhattan. Are you kidding me? So, you know, but the joint effort is, is amazing. And if you can really see, because you wonder, you know, what are we doing here? And I'm, I'm kind of I'm leaning into the message. That's where I'm going. Because at the end of the day, you know, you have to come in to the things of God and find out why we're even here. Because if you're not careful, this becomes another routine in your life. <clears throat> and a lot of people live that way. And I guess it's better to have it as a routine than not to have it at all, you know. If that's what it is, it is what it is, and take it. But there's so much more because, you know, one of the things that God, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm we talk about the cross, and we talk about the significance of this day and so forth, but, you know, as you're walking into it, you know, let me break this down. You know, if you were to be an absolute, you know, atheist, I mean, sold-out atheist, and again, I don't have a problem with atheists. You know, they're, they're people, <laughs> and I love people, so I, I have friends that are atheists. Now, they know we're not real close, per se, but... You know, I don't, I don't divorce myself from somebody that doesn't believe the way I do. Much to the contrary, I'm interested in see how they believe and see if I can wiggle myself into their belief system with Jesus, right? But I'm not anti-anything. You get me? I can sit down with whoever and have a conversation. My point is, if, if that is kind of where you're at, then, you know, life really doesn't have a whole lot of meaning. Because, you know, you're, you know if you really are hardcore, you know, atheism, I'm not talking, some of these atheists are more agnostic than they are atheists, but... My point is, true atheism, you really don't have any way to resolve that you have meaning in your life. <laughs> I mean, and even the great Bertrand Russell, the father, one of the great modern atheists, I would say great in his world because, you know, hopefully, I guess he believes in God now. I mean, <laughs> you know, did he, <laughs> you know, in some form or fashion he believes in God, but whatever. You know, he said, there's a famous quote by him. I read that quote in church here years ago and people thought it was a Christian quote. It's so powerful. He says, unless you find out that there is a... No, unless, how does he, I'm going to mess up what he said, but this is, the, this is the nutshell of what Bertrand Russell said. He said, unless you come to, to resolve that there is a God, which he didn't believe in, he said, unless you believe there is a God, he said, life has no meaning. This is the father of atheism. Not the father, but one of the... Right, H? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, he's one of the pillars and he, he resolved, he said, I'm an atheist, I don't believe there's nothing else. I believe when I die, they turn off the light and that's the end. But he said, but if you believe got, there's something else, then guess what? That gives meaning to your life. In other words, if you don't believe in God, or let me just do like an equation, you know, no God, no meaning. No meaning, no purpose. No purpose, suicide. And I'm not trying, I'm not trying to check out killing. Suicide, your, your life is pointless, your life is a dead life. You think about, you know, people from Heavenville, you know, Hispanic community, we're not, you know, we don't want to have big money people in the church, you know, we don't have that thing, you know, God calls us to this nation that is so hard to get there, and even when you get there, it's so complicated to navigate and, and to even do anything down there. But he's, God sees something in, in a group of people, you see, because, you know, I'm moving into this thing, one of the reasons we can get things done is because, guess what, not, as a church, the church has meaning, the church has purpose. Maybe you find your life and say, well, Pastor, my life doesn't really have a whole lot of purpose. You know, I wake up, go to sleep, 
go to work, get a paycheck, pay my bills, wake up, go to sleep. You know, you, this is my life. It's been my life for 20 years. It's been my life for 30 years. You know, I'm, I'm looking just for retirement, whatever your goal is. But guess what? You're, even if your life, if that's all your life does, but because you're connected to something that has meaning and purpose, now your life has meaning and purpose. Y'all tracking on me? I mean, I don't want I don't, I don't to lose this because, you know, when we talk about look to the cross and, and you know, you know, the, the, the series, the title of this series was Don't Lose Sight. Don't lose sight. You know, don't lose sight of the cross. Don't lose sight of the meaning of the cross. Don't lose sight. Whatever you do, don't lose sight what happened at Calvary because it's so significant. Now, I'm going to, you know, in, in my life, I look back at my personal life, grew up in church, understood the principles of God, was water baptized because that's what Baptists do. They dunk you. So I was baptized like when I was seven or something. I didn't know what was going on. I just thought it was fun. All right. So I got water baptized and then took a 14 it depends how you count the years, 14-year run from God as hard as you can, come back to God and discover that I, my life has no meaning ever. I mean, I have no meaning. That was like the biggest discovery when I came back to God. It's like, wow, I just realized if, my, if I would have died, if I would have OD'd, if I would have been in a car wreck and got shot, I died with no meaning. You know, my life, my, the, the, my life story was a very short book that nobody wants to read. Are you here? But then, then there's this factor that we call the cross, right? Here comes the cross. I got a pointless life, a meaning life, a very destructive life. Not only am I destroying my life, I'm destroying everyone that's around me. And then something happens. You have an encounter. Boom. Not with religion. Not with a church. You know, God uses church. God could even use religion. But you have an encounter with something that is completely unique, completely different. You can't explain it. And that's why religion is so hard, because religion is always trying to explain God, but religion can't explain God because God is not a concept, God is a person. And religion works on concepts. Amen? I'm just saying good morning, I haven't even started preaching yet. You know, I'm about to get to the outline eventually. And when you, when you see, you know, you come to that place, that one, you know, September of 1992, 30 years ago, a few months from now, it'll be 30 years ago from my encounter with God. And, and having a pointless meaning meaningless life, even with some spirituality, it was still pointless. So I wasn't much different than an atheist, right? Because even though I had the backgrounds and the roots of Christianity, and by the way, when I was running from God, I never stopped believing in him. I'll let you know that. I just, I just thought I was so far, I would, you know, it would take me a very long time to get back. That's where I was. So, you know, you come back to this place where you meet God, and something happens, something shifts in you. And this is what I want to talk to you about this morning. You know, what is really the reality of the new creation? What, what, what was the experience? You know, yet, last week we talked about never lose sight. Never lose sight of the cross. You know, come back to that moment. But let's, let's talk about really, from the perspective of spirituality, what happened the moment that you accepted that cross? And not the cross, you know, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. The life that he shed and bled for you. And you say, you know what, today I, I take him as my Lord and Savior. You see, because we've all, even that, we've turned it into, you know, say this little quick quick prayer, make sure we cover the base points. I, I got a kick out of, I know, I know it's religion and it's okay, but I love, you know, that's what some of the things that we're doing in Cuba, we're breaking a lot of religious stuff there, including, you know. And there was this guy that, you know, they wanted me to lead him to the Lord, I guess he wasn't behaving. But I, I you know, in my heart, I knew he was a Christian. I just knew. And they said, well, Pastor, you got to lead him to the Lord. I said, and, and, and he's like, well, he goes to church, and his mom goes to church, and they're giving like, you know, like when they put you, almost like an intervention to get saved. You ever had those? You know, that, that, I was uncomfortable. You know, we're going to surround you because you're going to hell. You know, we, we all want to talk to you about your choices, right? 
And it was kind of like that. And I said, and I talking to this guy, and I, and, and I got, I got a feel. I said, so, so you know God? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, kind of God. So you're saved? I said, yeah, you're saved. Okay. I said, he's saved. Well, no, he needs to accept Jesus. Again? You know, it's like, how many times do we accept him? <laughs> he wouldn't be my friend. You want to be my friend? You want to be my friend? I mean, after a while, it gets old, right? And so I, 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 I led him through the prayer. Make sure you cover the points, you know. Forgive me all my sins and you know, come into my heart and all that. So he, I, I think he's saved now, all right? My point is, in my heart, I knew this guy had, you know, maybe he's not walking exactly where he needs to walk. Maybe he's made some bad decisions, like, like you never do, right? Maybe he's made some bad choices, but he hasn't lost his salvation. All right? I mean, he's still part of this family, and, and you see, by those attitudes, all these things, what we're doing, we're undermining the cross. Because one of the things you've got to understand at the cross, before we even open this, this thing up, and I'll tell you what, if I don't finish it today, and if I don't finish it on Easter Sunday, I'll just keep going until I'm going to get done, because this is a good... I actually preach this in Cuba. I've been trying to get to what I preached in Cuba. And it was, it was a different angle, but it was still good. So, when we lose sight of the cross, you know, we, we come into religion. So now, we, we, you know, we don't say it on purpose, but we say, maybe, maybe the blood wasn't quite enough. Maybe there's still more I need to do. Well, every time you do that, you're moving yourself back into works. You remember? So, you know, and I, you know, I really don't want to make your morning miserable if you're a type of work person that wants to really please God with works, but he already talked about your works. He said they're filthy rags. And you don't even know, want to know what that means. Because it's the Bible of filthy rags. You can figure it out. It's like pretty low. It's about as low as dirty, nasty of you're gonna, ever going to get. And God is not saying your works are bad. He says, don't you ever think that you can do anything that is greater than me laying my life down. I mean, just don't think, I mean, you can, you can sweep the church, you can, you, know, you can sing, you can preach, you can go to Cuba. You can even lay your life down and be martyred for the kingdom. But at the end, it's what he did is still greater than whatever work you can think you can do to achieve some kind of glory. Amen? Give me that first slide, RJ, on the, on the new creation. So let's talk about this passage here. There's just a lot to unpack here. And again, we'll, t- we'll take time with it. You know, the Lord's really messing with me about, I need to slow down, so I'm trying to slow down. That's not my nature to do anything slow. So, 2 Corinthians 5.14, and it's the Passion Translation, if you want to look it up in your Bible app. And um, let me just open my, my notes here, just go with it. Let's, let's, this is what happens, you know, so Paul is trying to explain to the church in Corinth, you know, because the church in Corinth was a very spiritual church, but they were a very screwed up church. Sorry, that's, I mean, they were just all over the map. And Paul's like, guys, you guys, you know, you're spiritual, but what you're doing is like really not right. So he really wants to address what happens like right at the beginning. I'm talking the moment that you say, Jesus, come into my life, and you mean that. You didn't just read a little prayer off a tar- you know, card or a pastor led you through a prayer. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, you can do that. What, what makes a prayer powerful is the meaning behind it. Are you still with me? Because at the end of the day, the word of God says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So my picture of this, if you're like in an airplane and it's falling out of the sky and you're a heathen from hell and you say, Jesus, you're saved. That's how I interpret that. I mean, your whole life you've been nasty and ugly and mean, but you finally realize, because you know, when people are in trouble, nobody says, Buddha. I never... Mohammed! Everybody's like, Jesus! You don't even know him, but Jesus! Okay. Because the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, we've got to make you repent of your sins. It makes you sure. Did you miss any in there? 
My prayer, I come past, I say, and all the sins I, even the sins I don't remember, clean me all. Because I'm sure there's a bunch of stack there I, have, I missed somewhere, right? So now we're here, right? This is where we're at. And this is, if you understand that, like you're brand new, don't know what's going on. Jesus came into your heart. You're sin-free. You're free of works. And then this comes into play. So watch. Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. You can, you know, remember that note or highlight it or whatever. But for who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one, pay attention, no one from a worldly point of view. That's huge because Christians, whoo, we're experts at looking at everybody from a worldly point of view. That's all right. We don't judge anybody. We don't look at anybody, right? We don't look at anybody from a worldly point of view. I can believe sister so-and-so. Look what she's wearing. Oh, my God. Praise the Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. The wrong church. You guys are hyper-holy. That's probably a different church that needs to hear that. All right, let's keep going. So from now on, we don't regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way. Stop. Stop, because this, I mean, we read through these things, and we're like, we want to get to 2 Corinthians 5.17, because that's a born-again scripture. No, it is a born-again scripture. It's a wonderful scripture. But there's a lot unpacking here. You've got to get to something before you can get to something. You want to say something? So he says right there, he says, so from now on, we don't regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. So question, first question of the day. How do you interact with Jesus? Do you interact with Jesus from a world point of view that there's no cross, there's no sacrifice, and he's just a fairy tale? Because there's a lot of Christians, I'm passionate, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Yeah, but the way you interact with him, you act like he doesn't, he's not really real. Amen. Because if he was a real person, he probably wouldn't talk to you. Or me or anybody else. Because Jesus, you know, how long is your relationship with him and your interaction with him going to survive in a worldly way, if you had a worldly friend, and the only time you'd call your worldly friend is when you need a favor. You never check on, see how they're doing. You never check on how their family is. You never check, see, you know, you just, hey, I need money. Hey, I need this. Hey, that's the only time you hear from them. That wouldn't be a really deep relationship. You agree with this statement? Because here's where we're going. You know, we have to, this is like the big shift when you come into this side of the cross. And the Bible says you are a new creation. We're going to get to that, but he's unpacking this thing. says, how do you see Jesus. Is he just a cross? Is he a symbol? Is he a necklace? Is he a bumper sticker? What is he? Or is he somebody that you have conversations with? Amen. Well, Pastor, if I just talk to Jesus all day, people are going to think I'm crazy. Well, don't worry about it. They already think that. They see your car parked outside, so they're he's over there with those crazy faith people. I told you don't go over there. I mean, you have to have to be able to have hard conversations with Jesus. I've had those conversations. Sometimes you don't like what he answers, but you have to be able to have that, how can I put that place? There's no religion. There's no church. There's just you and him. Because, you know, he's, he's making a statement. If you continue to look at Jesus on this side of the cross, the way people look at Jesus on this side of the cross, all you're going to have is a religion. Are you going to have our laws and rules and you're never going to be good enough and you didn't pray enough and you didn't go to church enough and you're not tithing and the whole thing and you're just going to feel like a dirty dog your whole life? You'll still be coming to church, but you know, you bring your old depressed self with your old depressed face and 
contaminate everybody that had joy. But I'm a Christian, really. No, yes, you're Christian. I'm not saying you're, you're, not, you're not going to hell, but your relationship is a very religious. Your relationship is not with Jesus. Your relationship is with a religion. And that's what Paul is addressing. Now, they, didn't, they, weren't pre, you know, they weren't like cultural Christians back there. They were cultural pagans, which is probably a lot worse. <laughs> what do I mean cultural pagans? Because, you know, they had all these gods and all this stuff. So he's dealing with very dark, wicked people. You know, they're, they're no cultural Christians at this point in history. But the message is still the same. So let's keep going. So in verse 17, he says, so, no, let me, let me, so you get the flow. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So stop judging and stop looking at people and, oh, they're so nasty and so mean and so ugly. No, you're dealing with spirits. Right? You're dealing with spirit. This is a spiritual thing. You want that person to change? Pray against the spirit that moves that person. I mean, that's in the Bible. Our warfare, our warfare is not with natural stuff. So, you know, stop posting all your anger on Facebook. Are you kidding me? Did I just say that? Yeah. Well, I'm just saying all these lovely Christians that, you know, are always angry on Facebook and just, okay, let me do it. If you're going to just vent on Facebook, don't put the church you go to. <laughs> or put one that's not even real, like, like, you know, First Church of the Holiness of, you know, Benavides, or some weird thing like that, you know, where, where we're not associated with you, all right? Because, ah, they go to that church, yeah, we don't want to go there. Here we go, are you ready? 17. Therefore, Kenneth Hagin said once, when you find the word therefore, find out why it's there. Therefore. <laughs> You guys, are, you guys sit out last night? Uh, Pastor, yeah. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's you, that's me, anyone that's already said Jesus. There's no, well, he's a pastor. Well, he's super holy. No, no, this is when you said Jesus, this is it. Everything, is, everything that he's going to unpack now is really working on the previous idea that you don't want to have a relationship with Jesus that looks like a world relationship. That is one-sided or that is... I'm only going to use you when I need you, that kind of stuff. So now he comes in and says, therefore, if any wasn't in Christ, he is a new creation. And that's actually the, the, the correct translation is creation. Um, King James is creature. Not that it makes a lot of difference, but if you understand what God is talking about, it makes a huge difference. Because if you say you're a new creature, well, you're still kind of a human, but you know, you're like the new and improved version of human, right? No, he's, creation means something that didn't exist before, right? This did not exist, or it, or it existed in a broken way. So God didn't just put a Band-Aid on this thing. He made a brand new, new creation. So what God is dealing with is a brand new spirit connection. Pay attention to this point, because this is going to tie everything together. He's not dealing with your old nasty self when you were over here. Now, you're, you might, you know, come on, church, let's be honest. Even when you're saved, you still bring all the trash. And if you don't deal with it, the trash stays. You can still go to heaven, but the trash stays. You know, so it's, well, Pastor, I'm addicted. And, well, whatever. If you don't deal with it, you'll still go to heaven, but you'll stay addicted. You're not less of a Christian. Are you all with me on this? Because that beats people up, right? But if you say, if you say people, no. God said you're new. Everything's new. We're not dealing with old. Now, you as a human, you're bringing all your old junk. You're bringing your old soul, your old mind thoughts, your old depressive whatever. You, you know, all your past. Every, every, you know, what did we talk about, you know, a couple months ago? Every mental marker that you can think of that's negative, here you are with Jesus, with all this luggage. But there's one thing that's brand new, is your connection with God. That's what he's referring to, because everything that God's going to do 
in your life from this point is going to be spirit. Remember that. It's going to be spirit through his spirit. God is spirit. He who worships him must worship him. Where? In spirit. That's what I was, you know, I was pushing you guys this morning. And we almost got there. I mean, I know we got there, but we could have gone further. Because I could feel your, you know, I could feel you guys were worshiping, not singing songs. Right, Gabby? I mean, you guys felt that? I mean, they're, 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 you know, and that's why I said, come on, you can do it again. Come on, you can do it again. Come on, you know, because you, you were pushing that, that spiritual plane, and that's why we got presence. Because God, everything he deals is through the spirit. And this is not, well, that's kind of weird, Pastor. Well, come on. If you're going to talk about weird, think about dying and going to heaven. Let's start with that. So if you've already accepted that, then anything else counts, right? We can do anything at that point. No, this is not weird, but God deals spirit. You go to that church in Cuba, those people, I mean, this is the highlight of their week. That's what Saito was referring to. This is their maximum, I mean, this is their most joyous six hours, because they stay there all day. It's not like you, they're like, oh, my pastor. <laughs> Brother Dad, I thought, I thought you guys were speaking in tongues, and with your old stomachs growling, like, oh, Jesus, boy, I better let them go. They're getting hungry. You know? God always talks through spirit. When you hear, when you say, how do people say, how come pastor says, God told him? That's kind of weird. No, it's not, if you understand what spirit is. <laughs> God can talk to you through the Bible. God can talk to you through a little kid. God can talk to you through some ad on TV. There was a season when we used to do all these, uh, it was funny, I remember one years and years ago, I, was, I needed a message. I was going with your brother. We were going to Arizona, just Lisa and I. And I don't know why, but it took us like three days to get there because it was like one of those times we didn't really want to go. But anyway. <laughs> and I really didn't have a message. I mean, I can't, you know, come on, I can preach something. You know, after you're doing this for a while, you can preach whatever, but that's not the point. You're going there for a mission. You're going there for a reason. If I'm not there for a reason, I'm not, I don't really care to go to Arizona again. I love it, but we have to be there for a reason. Just like Cuba. And I don't have a message. And, I'm, and we're going down whatever I-40, whichever one of those eternal highways that never ends. And Luis is driving the church van. It's full of audio equipment. I'm like, and I see a sign that says, are we there yet? And the Lord says, that's your message. I'm like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> that's all I got. Well, guess what? As soon as I got, are we there yet? I did like five services with that title, are we there yet? And it really talked about where we are. I mean, I'm not going to even unpack that. That's, you see, God can talk to you through a billboard sign. But he will, he's spirit. I'm making this point because this is why a lot of, we, we get hung up on the cross because we still look at the cross as religion. We still look at that connection as, well, I haven't done enough. I haven't approached it close enough. My old, dirty, nasty self is not clean enough. Let me help you. You didn't clean yourself. He did it. It was his blood, and it was your acceptance of that. But all you had to do was accept it. You didn't do anything to become better. Are you still here? You didn't do anything to become, well, I need to be holy. You see, now holiness becomes like a pursuit that we're never going to reach. And if you don't believe me, go to a holiness church and see how wound up they are. They got the long dress and the long sleeve, you know, the Tower of Babel hairstyle and the tongue that goes all around the corner, you know. I mean, it's like, but they're holy. And man, the poison. Pastor, I've been to these churches. Don't tell me what I don't know. Amen. And I'm not being judgmental. I'm saying the cross avoid, took care of all that. How do you approach Jesus in the time of crisis? How do you approach Jesus 
Because what the devil's going to try to do, the very, his biggest attack is disqualify, to disqualify you. That's his one, number one favorite weapon is, if, I can get them, if, I can dis, if they can disqualify themselves from this covenant, I got them. So immediately, let's say, you know, sickness and disease comes like it comes to all of us. And if you're not careful, the devil will say, yeah, well, you know why you got sick, right? You're talking more to the devil than you're talking, because he's in your conscience too, by the way. You don't hear like, I'm the devil. You know, you're not going to hear that. It's just a conscious thing, because he works, guess what, through the same way. Amen? He's a spirit, but he's a bandit spirit. That's why Paul said, take every thought captive. Because he's coming. So now you're sick, and what's the first thought? Well, you know how you didn't go to prayer service? That's why you got sick. No, it was because you got a virus. Hello, okay, whatever. But he'll beat you. That well was this. Oh no, you know why you guys said because you and your husband had a big fight the other day. That's why. The, that's why the devil's destroying your house. Come on, don't raise your hand on the inside. But you know, you want to tell me? We go through these. You're dealing with a storm in your house, and the first thing you're trying to do is figure out where you what you did wrong. Now there might be a lot of things you did wrong. There might have been a lot of doors that you opened, but that still doesn't disqualify you from grace. Amen. I mean, once you recognize, man, I, you know, because I had a fight with my wife, now there's this spirit of strife in my house, and now the kids are getting involved. Now, you can fix that. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. You're not, this is not a cop-out. This is not like, oh, well, I, no. The Holy Spirit, one of his favorite things is to rec- make you recognize where you're wrong. That's what Jesus said. He will convince you of all your sins. Not convict you, that's King James, that's a harsh, harsh word. The word is not in there. The word is convince. You know how you do your kids when they don't want to do something? You yelled at them, they're still doing it. You, yell, you, know, you grounded them, they're still doing it. You took their phone away, they're still doing it. And then you have one last shot, you're like, hey, we need to talk about this. But now you're, you're done. Here, have your phone back, have the keys back. I just want to convince you she's not the right one. You know, whatever. That's what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. He's just trying to convince you. He said, hey, if you don't shut the strife door... This is never going to stop at your house. I love you. You're all going to heaven, but you're going to live like hell. In your house, in a Christian home. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Now, well, I'm not going to do that. All right, I told you. I still love you. And you just keep down that path, beating yourself down. And you're wondering, why isn't God helping me? Because you still have responsibility in this. Amen. Almost there. <laughs> you guys, where is he going? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He's a new creation. Are you ready for everything that's going to come? The old has gone. That sounds so cool, but it's not true, right? Ah. Oh, I thought this was the honest church. Yes, pastor. I was all messed up. I was hooked on everything, and I'm just full of everything, and I'm negative, and I'm horrible. Jesus comes. Everything's gone. That's why I tell you that's not true. Everything there is still here. The only thing was spiritual connection. Don't miss it. Now it's up to you and the spiritual connection to resolve everything. Because if you just say, oh, Jesus, I'm saved. And you, bring, you still got all that stuff in there. So that thing is true if you understand it. But if you just walk in like, well, I have Jesus. I'm a new creation. Everything old has gone away. You wait till somebody cuts you off in the traffic, find out how the old man is staring very much alive. No, no, pastor, the old man, he's dead. We crucified him. He's crucified. <laughs> Guys, if you could see yourselves in the spirit, including myself, we're all walking around with a casket. Just pulling that casket everywhere we go. I love you, Jesus. Right, Marcos? I love you, Lord. Casket's getting heavy. Let me move it. I love you. Oh, God, you're so good. And then somebody cuts you off. Hang on. Wake up, wake up, wake up. You be, 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 be. 
Once you get it all out, okay. I love you, Jesus. Oh. Come on. I'm, being, I'm being, making the fool out of myself so you get a point. That's what's happening. And instead of accepting that there's a dead body next to you that you need to fix, we just kind of wish it away, right? Until the devil pokes it. And boy, that flesh rises up. And then you do something stupid, and then what comes? Condemnation. That's all hooked up. Now you're, you're back to like, well, you know, God was going to get me out of debt, but I already messed this thing up, so, you know, I still got to go to church more. Here we go back to works, back to works, back to works. And that is, and I'm, I'm taking a long time to get to this point, but that cycle is so, is so toxic to anybody's life because I've been in that cycle. I'm still, if, if I'm not careful, I find myself, your, your subconscious goes there because you've been dealing with it your whole life. If you've been around Christianity your whole life, you probably got the same thing going on in your head. You know, you grow up with little things like, no hagas eso porque Diosito te va a castigar. Huh? I, you know, I grew up with stuff like that, so pretty soon, you know, that, that gets planted in your brain and in your psyche, and every time you do something, you're like, oh man, God's going to punish me, God's going to punish me, God's going to punish me. No, he punished Jesus for you, are you kidding me? He took all the punishment, he took all the pain, he took everything. You better stop putting yourself on that cross because you're not worthy. Amen. You're not worthy. You're not worthy to die for me. I'm not worthy to die for you. And by, and by continually beating ourselves up, we're saying, no, Jesus, your blood wasn't enough. We've got to put some more stuff on there. No, he says, you're a new creation. All old things have has gone. I like this one. The new is here. And unless the, the, the believer begins to accept that new ideas, new everything, we're going to get stuck in a rut. And I'm gonna, I'm, you know, my time is leaving really fast, but I want to introduce where we're going next week. Give me the next one, RJ, because this is the things that, that I talked about in, in Cuba. The ministry of re- reconciliation is what is referred to later on. We'll read it in a moment. But if you read 517, he says, you're a new creation. All this is from God. And then he begins to introduce something, which is the next one. Go ahead and, and, and give me this. So those three things, if you want to just, just go ahead and skip that one. I want to go to the next one right there. Okay. So the, th- the, th- the very first thing you're going to have to understand is that the cross creates some things in you. Now, it's up to you to develop them. I'll tell you right now. I'm sorry, RJ. I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's messing. Back up a couple slides because it was there. I just skipped a beat. Where it says the three things purpose, right there. Stop right there. So the cross represents the death of self, but it has to be the birth of something. Now, now we're dealing with this, this tension, right? We're dealing with this tension between our humanity and the spirit part. So the cross, it represents the death of what? Of Jesus, but it also represents the death of yourself. And this is the big one, because over and over, I mean, Jesus start with, with, you know, we talked about last week, he says, unless you carry your own cross. You remember, remember we spent a lot of time on that one? He was talking about your cross. He wasn't talking about his cross. He took his cross. But he says, unless you carry your cross. And we've made, we've made that thing into all kinds of crazy stuff that's not even there. Somebody said, well, you know, I got cancer. That's my cross to carry. Oh, are you kidding me? How effective are you going to be dead? I mean, seriously, that, that's just wrong thinking. That's not the, that, those aren't the crosses that God puts on you. You know, we're all dealing with something this morning. Do you agree with that? It might be minor, it might be major. But we're all somewhere where we need a miracle. All right? So you're going to have to understand that miracles don't happen unless you're willing to carry your death. And I'm not talking ceasing to exist. Your death to your own self. You know, yesterday I was having all these, you know, we had, everybody was at the house. It was awesome. But, you know, you find times 
And I meditate. I meditate on a lot of what I'm going to say. I'm not trying to prepare a mess. I'm thinking about, why is this, Lord? Why is it show me? And sometimes he gives me a little more depth. Sometimes he does. Sometimes I just got to figure it out a little more. But really, the cross, I just came up with this. You know, the, the cross is like this, this button, you know, when like your electronics don't work and you just reset it. And those of you PC people that control alt delete thing, whatever you all do to fix your computers, you know, that's what God is saying. Okay, you know, you, you have Jesus, you're born again, but you still got to figure out this, what this reset button means. Because what the cross does in your imperfect point, and here's, here's where I'm trying to tie it in, because I don't want you guys to look at me like a deer looks at a new feeder, you know, like, what is that? Here's what I want to tie it in. What the cross does, remember all that negative garbage that we brought here? Remember that? We're still with all this stuff. I'm, I still got it. You still got it. Don't look, don't look at me holy like that. Right. Now the cross says something. You know how we're going to fix it? I've got to reset your purpose. If I reset your purpose, a lot of that trash is going to leave. I've got to reset your perspective. If I can reset the way you look at things, a lot of that trash and negativity will just, by default, it leaves. I want to reset your priorities. And by resetting your priorities, guess what? You're not spending that much money getting drunk because you have different priorities now. I mean, you see, I'm saying, because sometimes we crucify, well, no, no, it's not that you're a bad person, it's you've got the wrong priorities. It was something that Damian Rosada said, I think one of them said about, about the alcohol, you know, yeah, you can find alcohol everywhere on the island, but people got to eat before they drink. <laughs> you know? So, you know, priorities, even though the guy might be an alcoholic, but he's got to eat before he can you know, God does these things in a spiritual way. And I think when you, when you accept that the cross is trying to work your perspective. So why, when, I, when Jesus said, you carry your own cross, I think he was laying on us a responsibility to do this. I really think so. Because it's not my priorities anymore. You know, if, it, if this was about my priorities, and I can speak for H and Diana, because they're probably the person that knows this, you know, in the intimate workings of What's, what, how we are invested, spirit, soul, and body, and faith way, and all that. And, you know, if this, wasn't, if this is not from the get-go, remember I told you when I first met Jesus, I'm talking September 1992, this thing hit me, and I was barely saved. I mean, barely, I was like right in, and I said, there has to be something else. That purpose changes everything. And that's why I said at the beginning, I know I introduced a message with this, you know, the cross represents, I got a reason to wake up in the morning. I got a reason to come back. You know, I got a reason to come up here every Sunday and, and hopefully give you a message of hope and courage, regardless if my house is burning down or not. Are you listening to me? I got a reason to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into people and nations that I will never get a nickel out of. That doesn't make sense to the world. Why would you invest money? Why, why would you guys buy a farm in Cuba? Other than purpose, I don't know why. There was a reason to do it. There was, we, you know, it was something I came back, I said, we've got to do this. Well, now we know the purpose, right? We didn't, he didn't tell me the purpose at the get-go, but now that, if that farm is a big part of keeping these people fed. That farm is a big part of, of us being able to feed those people every Sunday morning in Cuba. So God will work with this. So remember those purpose, perspective, and priorities. I'm not going to try to finish this right now, but let's go, let's go to the first one, and we'll, that should give us a good place to close. So there's a lot of messages on purpose. There's a lot of great books on purpose, you know, Rick, Warren wrote a great book, Purpose Driven Life, Best So All that is wonderful. And, you know, read them all you want. I'm sure it's going to help you. But purpose, sometimes a lot of those books are, are geared into you helping find out your purpose. Nothing wrong with that, except we're not talking about that today. That, that'll be another series for another time. But I'll tell you where your purpose is hidden. It's in his purpose. 
Your reason to breathe and wake up every morning is not because you're a teacher or an engineer or an oil field worker or a truck driver. That's not your purpose in life. That's called your job. <laughs> okay? It's called your seed pod. That's really what God designed. That's where you get seed. Your purpose has to be something else. So if you say, well, Pastor, I don't really know what this means, okay, the easiest, 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 easiest way is what is the purpose of Jesus? Period. What is the purpose of this? What is the purpose of anything we're doing? Well, the bottom line says, Jesus, you know, real loose, loose paraphrase, but Jesus came so no one would be lost. Right? I mean, we find that over. For God so loved the world. I mean, that's purpose. I mean, that's, that's it. You can get all theological over all, a thousand things, but that's purpose. So purpose in the new creation brings new purpose and meaning for life. So Romans 8.28, I, I used to love this. When I, I got this scripture taught to me so wrong so many times. But it says, Romans 8.28, very simple. I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but it says, And we know that for those who love God, say amen if that's you. Yes, it's All right. All things work together for good. And some say, wow, pastor, that's a beautiful scripture, but, you know, this last week it looks like everything worked together for bad. Anybody? Don't raise your hand. You know, you started a project, and this happened, and this happened. It's like, it, you know, it wasn't like the little foxes. It was like the whole zoo of foxes showed up at your house. You know? They dumped a whole truckload of foxes at your house. And you look at this and you're like, wait a minute, here I am preaching the gospel, here I am running all over the place trying to do things for Jesus, and it's not working for good. Well, here's the problem with that. Your perspective's off. Because what you call good and what God calls good are two different things. <laughs> he, you know, he doesn't want you to go through a bad time, and yes, you know, life comes. And I was thinking about just some of the, you know, the way life hits you. I was thinking actually about Kathy and you know, your family kind of stuff, what you're dealing with, and like, you know, and, and, you know, we're dealing with, and everyone's dealing with some form of fashion. You know, at the end of the day, this is the result. You're still going to go through that. Now, you can go without God, or you can go with God, so just don't worry about that. You know, life comes with that. So resolve that now, and then you can really focus on purpose, because I've been saying this for three months now, your circumstances aren't your life. And your life is not your life circumstances. Remember that, Okay. Why is that important? Because once you get purpose resolved, it doesn't really matter what happens in life. Because my purpose is deeper than my circumstances. Are you with me? So, watch what he says. All things work together for, for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So this is conditional. Meaning, well, Pastor, how come everything's not going good for me? Well, it is. there's a one little you know, reason that I can point out very quickly. Are you doing your deal or are you doing his deal? Because he's committed to meet that promise if you're tracking on his purpose. Right? Which his purpose is that nobody would be lost and everyone would be saved. For God so loved the world. I already told you. Keep it very simple. Keep it very basic. So you, now you begin to see what he's talking So all things work together for good for those that are called according to his purpose. So my purpose in life, you know, I really, don't, I really haven't found out what my purpose in life is. I've actually stopped looking for it. He said, Pastor, what do you mean? You're, you're here talking. I really don't know. All I know is as long as I'm doing his purpose, my life's pretty fun. <laughs> you know, as long as he, you know, he gives me an anointing to do things. I wouldn't, that's what I'm saying. If you want to go to Cuba, you make, you make sure you pray about it. I mean, it's safe, and I mean, 
we haven't lost anybody yet. You know, we haven't left anybody yet. Nobody has gotten arrested. Anyway, you, you don't want to go down that path in Cuba, trust me. But my point is, I don't have any, as long as I know God told me to do that, I'm fine with it. Does that make sense? I, I don't go into Cuba like, oh, I've got to watch my back. And, no, I'm like, I'm supposed to be here. You know, H and I were in Istanbul between bombings, but we were supposed to be there, I guess, because we made it back. I mean, we were, we were going to be at a conference, and there was like a bombing at the airport, like, what, four days before we were supposed to land? And then he came back before then I went to Ukraine, and then came back. Well, on my way back, there was another bombing before I came back. And I still had overnight in Istanbul. It wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal. I didn't see anything. But I'm saying, if you know you're in his purpose, you just do it. The key is, so, well, Pastor, how do I even know that? Well, purpose, the number one thing that it will always be fueled by, and it can't be fueled by anything else, is love. Because God is. So any time that you say, well, I'm doing this for the Lord. Okay, wonderful. But any time you feel like the love thing is not there, because you can, you can get so passionate about God that you can be a real butt. Sorry. That's the word. Okay. Oh, I love Jesus, but nobody can stand you. That's why I say don't post your church when you're being that way. Because if it's not fueled by love, then what is it fueled by? Watch. Works. Automatically it works. Now you're like, I need to get you saved so I can get a little star on my crown when I get to heaven. So quiet, H. I don't know what happened. Well, we're going to know what Kathy preached to them. Probably. We're going to have to look at the Facebook. They're so, so intense this morning. Let's finish this up, guys. First Thessalonians 2.4. Here it is. I want you to leave thinking about this because Jesus' great entry was celebrated today. And the same people that celebrated him were the same people that yelled crucify him a few days later. My only point of that, we don't want to be those people. We would never yell crucify, but we have to be excited that we're called to do something. We've got to be excited that that cross represents all the negative stuff in my life that I, don't want, I can't deal with, I can't fix it. It's there. I was going to use a scripture, I didn't even use it. It's a wonderful scripture. that says that he nailed everything that was set against you on that cross. Isn't that good? We'll hit that one next Sunday. You watch. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says, For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. You ready? Our purpose is to please God. How hard is that? Well, I want something deeper. You're so deep, the Holy Ghost can't find you. This is not deep. Can you walk out of this building and make choices with the person that you're going to pay at stripes and your co-worker next week and your husband or your wife that's acting like a fool or whatever? Can you choose love this week? Because that will set you up to bigger and better. I'm telling you, this is, this is what the cross represents to me. I am not disqualified as long as I can remember that, what that cross meant. It meant purpose. And I just, can't be, I just cannot be saved and not live with purpose. And I already told you, it says, I, don't know what, I really don't know what my purpose is. You know, I guess my purpose is to preach. But I've got to summarize it. But I just go, I don't, you know, what's, what am I going to be doing next year? I'm not sure. You know how far I've got my week planned? Next Sunday. That's about as far as I'm thinking. You know, yes, i got plans to go to Cuba. i got all kinds of stuff. But I'm not like thinking, I'm not obsessed over that. Because God might switch the whole thing. Like, boom. He might call me to like to 
be hired by a church in like Maui or something and then yeah that's not going to happen he loves you all too much to rip me out of your all's life to be entrusted can you be trusted with good news our purpose is to please God not people and at the end of the night the eight, when you go to bed at night that last line he alone examines your motives of your heart him alone not Pastor Box, not your prayer buddy, him alone. At the end of the day, he'll look at your heart. And I want to go to bed with just a little, little phrase, hey, okay, well done. That's it. At the end of the day, not at the end of my life, not at the end of this week, at the end of Sunday afternoon, hopefully, in the eyes of God, there's this little voice says, well done. Because that's really what we're after, right? Our purpose is to please God. When we got back from Cuba, one of my, my main things was I said, Joed, you tell me, what did we do? And you'll see the video. He says this, he says it more than once. He says, this has been the best trip ever. So to me, that wasn't Joel telling me that. That was God saying, well done. So whatever it costs me, whatever ripping me from my family and spending lots of money on a lot of places to be able to go on this trip, At the end, that doesn't matter one bit if at the end of the day, he alone examines why I do what I do. (coughs) Do you get something out of all that this morning? That cross represents your freedom. You never walk, every time you feel religion, every time you feel condemnation, every time you feel guilt, you know, the Holy Spirit might be dealing with you. Don't don't just say, oh, I'm not, I'm not, no, just say, you know, but, but he convinces. He's not pounding you down. So you go, Lord, I need this adjustment in my character. Those adjustments sometimes are instant. Sometimes they take years. Trust me, I know why, right? And you just keep walking it and walking it. And hopefully at the end of the day, Lord, if there was a motive that wasn't the right one, can you point it out? Did I talk to somebody because I was trying to get something out of that person? Was I, did I do something in selfishness? Did I do something just plain out of ego? I mean, you can go down a long list. But God is not like that. He'll just... You'll, you'll sense this. And this is just a wonderful way to live because there's so much freedom. And the biggest freedom, I'll close with this, is you get to approach God completely sinless. Stand to your feet. I want you to do this this morning. I want you to lay some things at the cross of Jesus that you know that God's, you know, we did this last week, and we're going to do it again. It's on my heart to do it again. I have things that I need to lay at the cross. Next Sunday, we're going to have communion service. We're going to have our Easter service, and then we're going to have communion. And it's going to be very special. And I'm going to talk about communion. I'm going to not preach just about it, but it's going to take you to a place to understand that everything that God does is he compels you. And I didn't stop at that word. I would have preached that for an hour. But God's love compels. That means it's a drawing. It's not, you know, and if you feel a resistance, that's on you. That's not on God. Well, it could be on bad teaching. It could be on religion. It could be on a lot of things. But God's love compels you. And this morning, God's love is compelling us to just lay some things that are wearing us out. To lay some things that we're tired of just trying to navigate. And and really, maybe you're just here this morning, or you're watching me online, you say, Pastor, you know, I've lived my whole life. I feel like I have no meaning in my life. Well, trust me, I was there. You want meaning in your life? Find out what God's meaning is. You want purpose in your life? Find out what God's purpose is. 
it gets really exciting. Some of you will be on the mission field. Some of you will be in Cuba with us. Some of you might go to other places with us. God could call you to a healing ministry. God could, I mean, there's so much potential in his spirit, and he's just waiting on somebody to open up a little bit this morning. Don't disqualify yourself. That cross paid it all. So, Father, we come to you. Come on, do your own prayer. In the name of Yeshua. Come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus. Lord, there's not one of us in this room that could do it hard enough, work hard enough, do enough things that would qualify us to do anything for your kingdom. So thank you, Lord, that we're all disqualified by default. Said that, I thank you for the cross. Because in that cross is nailed my sin. That cross is nailed all everything that has disqualified me from living a life that is full, that living a life of purpose, living a life of meaning, dies on that cross today. Come on, church, receive this because you know God just God wants you to just you know be in rhythm with Him, and He will show you, and He'll talk to you, and He'll take you on on places. I mean. I don't know how to describe it. You know, I know a lot of you are there, but he's, there's always more. There's always more. There's always a deeper place. And that's, I don't know, I just, I guess I'm on that trek in the last few months of my life. Lord, you know, it has to be something else. You know, I'm, I'm happy with what you are for me, but you're so much more than that. Father, that's what I'm asking for this church. That everyone that calls Faithway their home, from our online church to the ones in-house, that we all move in rhythm to this purpose of your purpose, not my purpose, not even Faithway's purpose. Because if it's not what you want us to do, God, we don't want to do any of it. And Lord, I open my heart as we always do, and I pray there's some sincere prayers in this house that you judge me, Lord, according to the motivations of my heart. That I am open for correction, that I am open, and Father, when the motivation is wrong, Father, when the motivation is coming from a selfish, egotistical place, Father, I pray, Lord, that you single it, that you'd, how you do with your Holy Spirit, Lord, hey, fix that, adjust that, you're better than that, those wonderful words that we hear all the time from your Spirit, Lord, and I pray, Lord, for those that struggle to listening to your voice, I felt that this morning, I want to pray for that, if that's you this morning, you don't have to raise your hand, it's not about you know, signaling anybody. But if you're that person, you know, I don't even know if I'm hearing God's voice. This prayer's for you. I'm going to, you get your faith with my faith. That from this point forward, you're going to know when it's God. You're going to be able to tell the difference between your conscience and the voice of the Spirit. So, Father, we all need desperately to hear from you. We can't walk this life without hearing from you. This is not a preacher thing. It's not a pastor thing. This is an everybody thing. So, Father, for those that still have static. For those that still, it's not clear if it's you or it's them or whatever whatever struggle the devil's trying to confuse them with. Father, today, the voice of your spirit, you love them. You love them and it's so clear that you speak to those that you love. And from this point forward, there will be no static, there will be no confusion, and they will know that it's the voice of the Lord. I pray over every form of sickness and disease. Come on, in this environment, come on, if you're dealing with sickness and disease, in this environment, the presence of God is just so, so, so good this morning. 
Take it. Be healed. In the name of Jesus. I pray over your family. I pray over there's some tension in the marriage. There's some tension in relationships. You're bigger than that. You're better than that. You're the one that's listening to this. So, Father, for those right now, you, you showed me that so clearly that their marriage or their relationship with their children is under attack. Show them what love does. Show them the power of your love just pouring through them into this situation. And, Father, I just pray peace right now. We come against every spirit of strife, contention, and division that would be released on any marriage. Well, this is strong on me right now, church. I don't, you know, like I said, this is no hand lifting, nothing. I mean, this is, it is for somebody. It's for somebody. Your marriage is under attack. Like, serious. Again, I, I, I got my eyes closed. I can't tell you who it is, and it's not my job to, to tell you who it is. It could be online. It could be in-house. It could be in the future. Somebody could download this podcast a year from now, and it could be for them. I don't know. But if it's you, God's about to fix it. Wherever this voice is, because the, pro- the word, the prophetic word comes for a reason. And you guys know I don't play games with this. So I speak to that marriage right now in the name of Jesus. That marriage will succeed. That marriage will not fail. And Father, I pray that the love of God begins to rise up within the husband. And the love of God rises up within the wife. And that they will meet themselves at your throne. And whatever tension is there, whatever reasoning is there, whatever caused it, has to disappear at the throne of Jesus. And I speak love over this relationship. This relationship will not fail. Right now, wow, this is a great opportunity. That's you. This is where you put yourself on your cross. This is where you put yourself on your cross and you say, no, my love for my wife, my love for my husband is greater than my love for myself. For my love for my ego, for my love for my emotions, for my love for my whatever. My love for my family is greater than my love for myself. You don't want, you, you gotta, I'm telling you, you gotta stay on this because your kids, your kids are gonna be very, very hurt if, if this doesn't, if this doesn't get, walk the right path. I can see it in the spirit. Love does what love does and it's not up to you to fix it love fixes that's it father in jesus name that word has been released and it is for who it is and i just thank you lord that marriages succeed i thank you lord that we succeed and father let this week be glorious let this week be glorious in our families as we celebrate the resurrection of our lord and savior father we don't serve a dead god we don't We don't have a place that we can go worship a tomb because you're not there, Lord. And I just thank you so much for that, Jesus. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Everybody says, come on, church, give him praise. Woo! Glory to God. Wow. Brother Copeland says, I preach myself happy with that. You may be seated. Glory to Jesus. I thought, oh, we're going to get out early today. Yeah, right. Well, I don't have a whole lot to add to everything that's been added. Um, you know, the, the vision for Cuba is on. We have our ladies, and well, not ladies, there's a team, going in the summer to minister to children. And, you know, again, 
this is one of the things that Lord showed me. And I'll be honest with you, when I went to Cuba, before I went, I had a long conversation with the Lord. And I, there was a part of me that thought that possibly, when I said my last trip, not meaning I was disconnected, just that I have so much going on here, that I said, you know, I'll still do like we've, we have been. You know, we, we never unplugged from Cuba, and we hadn't, I hadn't been there since 2018. So, um, you know, we're still doing what we do. But it was a part of me like, well, maybe it's time to, you know, just continue this and not be so hands-on. And, you know, the Lord really dealt with me, and, and, no, he put me back where we need to be. So I'm, I'm encouraging you, you know, really pray about your part. We, we need a consistent partnership. And one of the things that we're going to, you know, we're, we're creating a team of, of visionaries, people that, that get it. Is there, you know, how, do, how am I on that team? <laughs> However, you know, it just it's, if, you, if you think Cuba is part of your vision, one of the goals that this church has set, and I'll talk to you very briefly because our time is up, is we got five pastors on our team down there. All these pastors work for pretty much dirt, but they have to always be everybody's. Everybody's, like they say up here, you know, trying to, I was, I'm not going to use a word, but you know what I'm saying. Everybody's trying to figure it out down there. So my goal is to get these pastors on salary where they can be full-time support of the church. And here's the thing, you know, a, a pastor's salary is about $30 a month, and that's actually a good salary. And, and when I say dollars, don't, go, don't think things in Cuba are way cheaper. You know, that's nothing. That's dirt. You can't survive on $30 a month. So my goal is to provide each pastor a $100 a month salary, and that would, even Yoel told me, that would completely set them free from having to work. They would get completely with Yoel. You know, we're building stuff on the farm. We're building stuff on the church. It's always going on. The thing that my commitment was, I didn't want to say, okay, yeah, we're going to do that. I wanted to send the money up front. I said, you know, we're going to send, we're going to believe God to get, you know, three months or six months of, of this covered. We'll send you the money, then you figure it out. So that's one of the goals we're having. You know, another thing that got resolved is, again, these are long stories, but, you know, we're going to be able to put an air conditioning system in, in the church, which is not only going to be amazing for the community, but while we were there, the government's still trying to shut him down, and their last excuse was the noise, and they said, if you cut the noise off, we will stop harassing. They're actually, they were trying to shut the church down, you know, reduce it to like, you could only have like 12 people there, just nonsense. So, you know, that got resolved. We're still part of that. We believe in God for the money, you know, for that uh, long story there. So, so a lot of these things are, are moving in Cuba, but the one, you know, pray about, we'll talk about this one, about supporting these pastors. You know, for us, it's really nothing. You know, if you think about $100 a month, I mean, in that, you're just, you know, you're tripling their salary in a way that they can actually go do God's job. They don't have to be looking everywhere for food and little odd jobs and little here, little there. So that's kind of where we're at. So that's Cuba. Again, we still got a church to run. So thank you guys for all your, your tithing and offering. And, you know, be assured that, you know, we try to do the best with what you, we get. <laughs> I, think, I think we do a lot. So God bless you for your giving. There's information on the screen. If you need an envelope for your giving, there should be one there available to you.